that we were going to give everyone that has been working with us for for two years or more a year's salary and telling them that and saying and it's going to be in your bank account on tuesday which was last week because that was payroll day and we'd set it all up and ready to pay them Brand Growth Heroes is the business podcast for the founders of food, beverage, and other consumer goods brands, and is ranked in the top 1.5% of all podcasts worldwide. Here our guests talk not only about their brand purpose or why, but also how where they play, who they employ, and how they work has driven their incredible success. Okay, so this is a bit cool. The intro you're about to hear is generated by my AI voice, as I'm currently in London for a medical trial to ensure I don't get a breast cancer reoccurrence later on in my life. It's a pretty hectic schedule and not one that allows me to record the intro in a studio, so I'm typing it into an AI app and it's producing this slightly robotic, but very similar voice to my own. So now you know, let's get down to the real business at hand. Earlier this week, we released part one of our special series on protein breakfast brand Fuel 10K just one week after founder Barney Maleverer and his co-founders sold the business to Premier Foods. In that episode, which will be just one episode before the one you are listening to now, you can hear how Barney and his team built a business that was so desirable to one of the UK's leading food businesses that they just had to purchase it. So if you haven't already, listen to that episode first. The episode that you're listening to now is part two of the series. In the next 30 minutes or so, you'll discover what it was like for Barney in the week running up to the sale of Fuel 10K to Premier Foods, why Barney gave one year's salary to all employees that had been with the business for over two years, and the three exact reasons that the Fuel 10K business was so attractive to its purchaser. Don't forget to click follow on your podcast app so you don't miss more insight-filled episodes of Brand Growth Heroes. Barney Maleverer, welcome back to Brand Growth Heroes. How are you doing? Yeah, pretty exhausted, actually. Um, We had a pretty busy week last week. Yeah, so it looks like. So it looks like. So look, for those of our listeners who haven't heard the news, Fuel 10K has recently been sold last week to Premier Foods. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. You must feel I don't know, ecstatic, exhausted, all, all of those things. Tell us, tell us about the lead up. I mean, first of all, how do you feel? And secondly, the lead up to this, you know, what what ha- what happened in order that this happened? I think, um, yeah, it's a really good question. How, how do you feel? Um, uh, I have spent the last 18 years in the trenches of FMCG with startups coming out my ears, um, trying to get things going, some things failing pretty badly, some things sort of working, but they're not lasting forever. Um, and the Fuel 10K journey began 12 years ago or so. Um, and I think when we last spoke, um, we'd reached about 12 million turnover. Um, and I think what was quite interesting from that point on, in fact, once you break through the sort of line in the sand, ephemeral 10 million turnover figure, um, things change. Um, and uh, what we've found is, I think it was it three years ago that we we were talking. Was yeah, three years ago. Yeah, I think it took us ten years to get to ten million, and then it took us two and a half years to do the next ten million. Wow. Um, and this year we'll we'll nudge maybe twenty one, twenty two million net sales. So after promotions and what have you, uh, which is how everyone actually talks about sales rather than RSV or 
um, uh, or, or turnover, but with the promotions above. Anyway, um, uh, we had a very sort of rapid growth spurt over the last couple of years, um, and we met um, the bidder as we talked about them uh, when when they approached us um, and asked us whether we'd be interested in selling. And this was last year, uh, um, and um, at the time we weren't really ready. Um, we have another business called Fresh Marketing, which I don't know if I explained last time. Yeah, you did. And we, in great, we went into it in great detail on on the show. Uh, so hopefully if everybody's listening to this as the second in a two-part series, they will have heard all about Fresh Marketing already. Great. So Fresh Marketing was was the origination um, of, uh, of our business. And then when Fuel got bigger, um, fresh incubated fuel and then rolled out fuel as a as its own business um but in that process there was still quite a lot of entanglements between the two businesses um and and so last year we recognized that actually there were so many things we needed to do to clean ourselves up if we were ever going to exit um but the bidder um uh, kind of knocked on our door a little earlier than we were anticipating um interestingly the the we got quite far down the process. We we broadly agreed an offer um, last year, um, but it all fell apart um, when the inflationary environment sort of took a grip. Yeah. Um, was that a stressful a, experience? I think it was probably the second most stressful experience I've had in business, um, the last being a few weeks ago. Um, uh, it was because we had used up our entire summer holidays um, trying to fill in um, all the requests on DD and what have you. Um, we had racked up quite big bills, um, and for that then to have ended up being nothing, um, come November, was quite galling. Um, however, we picked ourselves up, and we were always pretty confident of Plan A, which was to carry on and, and grow into the future, and, and maybe one day appoint some advisors who might take us through a process with you know, other bidders and what have you. So we were kind of okay with that. Um, it took a little bit of a shakedown to 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 just sort of put that in the past. Um, and getting through Christmas, uh, I think come January time, we were all guns are blazing again, ready to start really getting going. We actually started really opening up export for fuel a lot more than we had done, um, particularly in the Middle East and Southeast Asia. Um, and I was pretty set on enjoying doing a bit of commercial sales. Quick one. I'm thrilled to share that Strong Roots is continuing their support of Brand Growth Heroes for another season. Finding quick and easy meal solutions that are also better for you can be a real challenge for busy families like mine. That's where Strong Roots comes in for us. Their veg-packed frozen foods make it incredibly easy to enjoy delicious plant-based meals that everyone in my family loves whilst doing a little good for the planet too. We love their sweet potato fries, crispy cauliflower hash browns and yummy spinach bites. Honestly, their products are a lifesaver for us on busy weeknights. What's even more important though, is that Strong Roots is committed to using clean ingredients that are better for you and better for the planet. They're actually one of the pioneers in terms of having their carbon cloud on the front of pack for full transparency of their impact on the planet. And as a B Corp, they're committed to improving this number as well as all the ways they do business. I've been fortunate enough to work with Strong Roots since 2016, and I'm proud to support a company that's always striving to do better. So head to the freezer aisle and try Strong Roots for yourself. Don't forget to look at their ingredients on the back of pack. I think you'll be as surprised as I was at just how clean, tasty, frozen food can actually be. 
Thanks to the team at Strong Roots for their continued support this season. Good for you, good for the planet, good made easy. Just just bring us back. I mean, when you set up the business, when you set up the Fuel 10K part of the business, was your intention to one day sell it or was it maybe if or maybe continue it? I think I think everyone that I've come across in this business, unless they're 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 extraordinary and there are many extraordinary people and um, are ultimately building something from scratch to one day sell okay um particularly if you um raise money investors want to return on their investment how are they going to get that you're going to have to resell their shares at least um uh, and i think in my experience everyone who i've come across in the startup land um you know the, the ambition is to exit as best you can within the shortest space of time possible um it only took us 12 years um a 12 year overnight success um nothing takes three years nothing takes five years it's 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 a long journey to bake something good um and and of course the the other bit to our journey which i may have explained last time was we never took that that capital investment we never had that sort of injection of big bucks that was to propel us into the future we took a very considered sort of organic growth strategy. Um, so which, you were using gross margin basically to fuel the next stage yeah. of growth, yeah? Yeah, Always. so old school, old school. And would you yeah. recommend that? Would you recommend that or would you do, if you were setting up a business yeah. now uh, in the environment, you know, competing against challenger brands who are taking huge sums of money to propel themselves forward, would you feel that you had to or would you do it the way you've done it? I think I'm quite old school. I quite I quite like to know that I've earned the money before I spent it. Um yeah. and, and that's just a way of frame of my I completely get the other way, you know, raise raise loads of cash and, and and get to the market quickly, particularly if you've got something proprietary that you need to get to market quicker than you know, you, you don't have the luxury sure. of time. Um uh, but I think you also relinquish sort of control if you go that way. Um, and you actually probably have even more sleepless nights um, if things aren't going so well and you've got heavy hitters breathing down your neck asking yeah. how things are going. Um, so, so to bring I, us back, so we were we were we were at the point where you got you know it came got, off the done. rails, yeah, it, <laughs> it came off the rails, and then what happened so you 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 were you're at you know you were resigned to the fact or happy about the fact that you were going to continue doing it on your own for a while doing it without selling for a while back to sales yeah. and then what happened um we had um as as i think probably most growth brands uh, we we'd had quite a few um approaches by the MA advisory crowd uh, we knew that we were having another good growth year uh, and two good growth years in fact three good growth years in a row is quite a good place to be when you're putting yourself up for sale. The bidder um, uh, made contact again in about February, March, um, and said, so "Look, could, could we have another look?" Um, uh, and I and I think I think it was broadly down to the fact that they had done a transaction the year before, which was important to them. It was the first time they'd done anything in 15 years or so. Um, and also the inflationary environment was really scary. It was really scary for them with their own brands. Um, and, and they weren't sure how we were going to survive um, through it. And, and retrospectively thinking, actually, we were 
exactly the right people to take our own brand through such a difficult patch um uh, if we had had reporting structures and going through an MA sort of process and new owners and what have you trying to take tackle the issues right in front of us and there were some very, very seismic significant things that happened um to us um we moved our manufacturing from germany to the uk to a point where by the base mix and tote bags and fill in the uk rather than fill in germany we gave our manufacturer some shares in the business um to to, to recognize the the support that they've given us all the way through um and i think that 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 all happened very very quickly at the beginning of this year um does that complicate and, things barney when you go to sell a business uh to a big player like premier foods the fact that you know a co-manufacturer who isn't theirs has shares in the business i mean how do they how does that work so so premier foods bought 100 percent of the shares including the shares that that we've gifted to, to the manufacturer um we have a long-term agreement in place with with them um but, but ultimately you know new owners will want to do new things um and, and that's and that's perfectly sort of understood um i think it was more from our point of view that we wanted to uh, acknowledge the support that they've given us um uh, throughout the 12 years uh, that we've been working with them but also they were sacrificing quite a lot by allowing us to take bulk granola base mix from their factory and and pack it in the uk which was just more economical for us and saved our bacon really um but it meant that the factory themselves were were, were going to be missing out on the processing fees and, and what have you and it seems like you do a lot of kind of thinking about how your stakeholders whether it's your co-manufacturers or your employees are going to come out of anything you do and i definitely want us to touch on the incredible thing that you've done for your employees and the employees that've been with you for more than 2 years before we before we finish up so cuz that's really worth waiting to listen to guys if you're if you're listening to this so what happened next the, the the long and the short of it is that we re-engage with with premier and um, we have massive respect for them um a, a british listed company uh, with heritage brands iconic brands we could see the fit they had just tiptoed into breakfast with ambrosia porridge pots and um, thought it was a brilliant product um, and we could track their progress against our own porridge pots so as a powdered there's there's a wet product um, and we recognized that we were both growing way quicker than than our friends at quaker um, and so we were drawing in a different consumer basically we weren't cannibalizing each other um, and other quick question sorry because it's mm. I think it's relevant. How important was it to Premier Foods that your brand was a cross-category brand rather than a single category offering? So I think I think there were three big reasons why they liked us and why they found us interesting. One was they recognized how big breakfast could be. Um it's a massive category dominated by three or four players. Um, and we were cutting cutting some sharp calves in that. Um I think the next one was that they really liked the consumer type that we um supply so we we are a 16 to 35 year old target and a younger millennial gen z iphone tiktok this that and the other um the brands that we were competing with in breakfast were either for the older generation or for kids and families um, and less targeted at that age group 
And the third reason, so we, we've got breakfast, we've got consumers, and then the third reason was the cross-category opportunity um, with with the protein angle. Um, and, and I think they, they didn't have anything in their whole portfolio really in that space. Um, and they could see, Max, loads of opportunities to put the fuel brand into different sort of places um, across the category. Um, I think the other bit was um, the low-hanging fruit that they might be able to get to quickly that we could never get to. Uh, and, of course, international expansion is is just just um, such an obvious place to go next. Yeah. Um, when you've got a strong story in one country, it's a bit like having a strong story in one supermarket. You go to all the other supermarkets um, to take that story. Um, I think it's the same in sort of anglified kind of breakfast eating markets, Australia, America, Canada, South Africa, um, and then obviously parts of Europe as well. Um, so I think it was a really neat fit from their point of view. Um, and I think we felt that they were going to do a really good job um, in picking it up from us and, and, and just putting turbo rockets behind it. Um, and that's, that's a really nice legacy. You know, you're not giving it to a private equity house. You're going to asset strip it and kick all the staff out. Um, uh, we were putting it into hands that we felt were really sort of trustworthy. Um, and I and I think even you know even now a week in, um, uh, there've been really good reports on on how the team are and um, how how everyone's feeling. And you know, change is always a bit scary. Tell us about tell uh, us about that that final week um, and that final phone call that you had to make to the team, um, <laughs> and then what you've done um, for your team because I think this is really lovely. Well, um, the I mean the the, the the final week of of and this probably happens in any sort of M and A world. It seemed extraordinary to me. Um, we tried to sign on Wednesday night. We tried to sign on Thursday night. We tried to sign on Friday. We had so much, so many things we were trying to sort out. Um, four o'clock in the morning on, on Saturday morning, um, the, the lawyers finally said, yeah, okay, we've agreed to it. We've we've written the word. You, you have now officially signed. But for those um, who've never done this, Barney, can you just explain to us, like, why does it take till four in the morning? I mean, why can't they just do it? Like, what are yeah. what are they going through until four in the morning? The, so you, you, you've got a huge, big agreement between you. Um, and and there are loads of things in it, and and you find some things important, they find some things important, and you might disagree on one or two things. Um, and the wording that goes backwards and forwards has to be approved by everyone. Um, so so that's why it takes a while. If if you m agree commercially the point, but then the lawyers then got to follow it up in legal language. Um, that's where time can take. And if you're slow getting the commercial stuff right, then the, you know, it, 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 it's just a long process and it's incredibly thorough. If you're the smart founder of a scaling brand and you're inspired by what you're learning on this podcast, why not check out our Brand Growth Heroes Accelerator program? Over the past three years, our bespoke framework, tools and coaching has helped over 80 founders of early stage scaling brands make decisions that have supercharged their growth. The results have been phenomenal. Things like first listings in national retailers and airlines, doubling of revenues, new star products or key hires, or even offers from all five dragons on the den. The program offers you a suite of bespoke lessons, tools, one-to-one -one coaching, group workshops, and access to a growing network of support from smart founders of grocery brands just like you. 
We love you, Fiona. Thank and you you've so been much. an incredible mentor to us and your program was wildly helpful. So if anyone is thinking of doing it, we really recommend it and don't think we would be able to get here without having done it. So if you want the framework and tools that will help you make decisions that will take your growth to the next level, go to brandgrowthheroes.com and then click online courses. Then just press register your interest today. Thanks again to Strong Roots. Good for you, good for the planet, good made easy. Was it a full-time job for you in the run-up to, for how long in the run-up to this last week? Um, it, it's it's relentless. It's it's huge numbers of questions about all sorts. Um, uh, but, it, but it's thorough. And I think, you know, that's the way it should be. Um, uh, it's 12 years of yeah. Um, Packing and repacking. So, you know, so how many uh, staff or how many employees did you have uh, at the point where you're selling the business? So we are about 30. And I say about because we've got one or two people who are part time. We've got we've got 20 student reps on contracts, if that makes um, so how where you draw the line. But I would say 30 is probably the right sort of number. Student reps say. working in, in universities. Working in universities, including my daughter, God. who has just started in Edinburgh. Uh, so she is the Edinburgh uni rep and has got loads of stock under her bed. <laughs> brilliant. That is just brilliant. And what, I mean, this is for another episode, but we've got to do this. What are their KPIs? Um, so they are basically uh, merchandising is their number one role. So in Edinburgh, there are 43 uh, stockists, supermarket stockists, that she will go and visit on a bicycle, get to know the managers um, and basically merchandise the things that you can do. Okay. In They're like your field sales, but they just happen yeah. based in universities. Extended field sales. Um, uh, and they will do maximum five hours a week. Um, okay. uh, and, and, that, and, and that can make a real difference in some stores. Um, and then the other side of it is university marketing. So getting stocked in the, in the, in the local whatever and, and sponsoring the, the netball team or whatever it is okay. um and it's just an ex- extension of of the marketing department and they send in tiktoks and instagrams and really love to have that's amazing okay so, all on, so 30 yeah. of you so nobody knew this was happening though internally right there were some people who needed to know um because pulling together information and 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 looking like you're as stressed as a whatever um you know people notice yeah. <laughs> um we had a number of stakeholders within the business that that were uh, on EI, emi options um we have various we also had growth shares um for, for some people we have different sort of things um and anyone who was ultimately going to exercise some options into shares would have to sign something at, at signing. Um, so it, we trying to be as transparent as possible, but without um, giving anything away, um, uh, we needed to sort of manage that process. So there were some people who kind of knew what was going on and it wasn't a massive surprise, to them, but there were others that had no idea. Okay. Um, and so when the news landed, um, uh, yeah, that was last Sunday when we called called everyone um, to let them know. Because tell, us, the, tell us what you told them on the phone. Um, I can't even remember that moment. Um, I think it, each one was slightly different. We split up 
um, the team into offices. So we've got um, up, up on the Wirral, we've got Jason who runs the, the team. He, he spoke to everyone up there. Scott spoke to all the London lot. Alex spoke to his lot up in Inverness. Um, and I had about five, four, four or five people I, I was calling, including one in Australia, um, who is taking some time out. Um, so that one was quite tricky. Um, and 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 you just have to say it how it is. Um, uh, we've just sold, like literally completed this morning, um, and um, and Alex and I are out of the business as of now. Um, and um, ten o'clock tomorrow morning, which was the Monday, we had a big team call, um, uh, and then four o'clock that afternoon, Alex and I weren't invited to the introductory call with the ceo and and the marketing director and what have you to welcome you know the, the new owners so it's all very kind of sudden oh, um, but tell uh, us what you told them about their salary in the bank account because that's the bit that gave so, them. so we had we had told them and mostly after our experience the year before um that um that we were going to give everyone that has been working with us for for two years or more, uh, a, a a year's salary, wow. um, and telling them that and saying, and it's going to be in your bank account on Tuesday, which was last week, because that was payroll day, and we'd set it all up and ready to pay them. Um, I think that was that was very helpful in in the conversation um, to be able to have that to say. Uh, obviously, not everyone got it, um, uh, which is tough in a way because we have to draw a line what if you'd been working there like a year and 10 months i mean you'd feel pretty crappy you know, i've heard that one already we made sure that actually the the next one was about seven months behind that okay um we kind of also figure you know the the people who've done one two years in a business that's there's some serious sort of loyalty behind that um uh, and and they will have contributed significantly uh, whereas if you've only been in the business six months, um, you know, it's very different. I was going to say on top of that, um, the um, we we did an annual bonus for everyone, a company bonus, which was ten percent of the profits, um, in a proper proper sizable chunk that we split equally. Didn't matter who who they were, equally to everyone in the team, oh. um, and um, and then they were invited to either take that or to, to put it into the EMI options scheme we, we did with Vested. We were very, I'd recommend Vested if anyone's planning to do this. Um, and and they had a fairly good valuation when they came in. So on exit, I mean, some, some of them tripled their money, um, uh, but another nice sort of way of giving, um, you know, benefiting from, from the so, contribution. I, I've been through a sale and, you know, I, I didn't get a year's salary or or percentage of a business or anything like that. And I know there's lots of people in businesses who don't get that kind of money. So what made you do that? I think, and this is probably one of my my failings, really. I think that um, I, I always try and work on the premise that if it's rational and fair, then then let's move forward. And if it's not, then then that's then you've either got to fix it or don't go near it. Um, I think that people who work in a business contribute to a business just because they don't necessarily have the 
capacity, appetite, whatever it is to do the the, the, the daring bit of starting their own business. It doesn't mean that they're not part of the success that they turn it into. Um, and so rationally and fairly, I think that they deserve to participate in the in the proceeds. Um, and and because we did all right with that valuation, um, it felt only right to to sort of share the love. Guess what? Um, and and with that sort of money, it can be life changing for them. They might decide to you know go off and start their own thing or whatever, the seed capital or or whatever. Or the beginnings of a deposit um, for a house. You know, it's I mean, it's yeah, obvious. particularly at this time of you know the cost of living crisis and interest rates and and. But there's know, a lot of scientists out there who would you know just say, okay, well, you know, it's my company. Uh, I'm going to keep my share because presumably there's costs to be paid anyway. And then you know you've got co-founders who also get their share <clears throat> why share why share with everyone else to be less for me so I, I I really admire what you've done I really do and it did give me shivers when I read that in your post I thought wow fair play that is a really lovely thing to do that's really nice and I would probably add to that that um the success that I've experienced in life um I, and it was quite recent that I recognize that I'm a generalist I'm not a specialist I'm not actually very good at anything in particular um, but when I surround myself with the right sort of people um, uh, we're unbeatable and and from the leadership team in Scott Chassels, Jason Kerr, Matt Gordon who came in to CFO and then down into the management team and then down all the way down to the you know the student reps um, that is how I think I uh, have been able to be successful here mm. um, and I, I really recognize that but take uh, some skill. Take some skill to recon to recognize what you need in somebody else in a role, and then recognize the people who are going to be able to do that for you. I mean, that's a real talent to pick I those suppose. people and to if, put them in the right roles. That's that's really big. Lots of people get that really wrong. Yeah, I think I think that's the bit which I've spent. I I think trying trying to really understand that that side of things. It's a bit like getting any team, you know, any sporting team army team business team really working well is is really understanding the you know the motivations behind all of these people and and we've created and and it's not just saying it but we created a proper work family uh, where we knew everyone and what they were up to and and you know all the weddings and babies and everything else that go with it what's that like for you um, leaving that now all of a sudden i mean how do you feel <laughs> well this is the void i found myself in this sort of weird empty space. Although having said that, I've always worked from home. I'm, I'm in my little office here now, um, and uh, I would flick between the different offices or tra travel to a trade show or whatever. Um, but actually, the I'm I'm just looking forward to getting on with the next thing. You know, um, are you still with Fresh Marketing now? Do you still own Fresh? Yeah, so Fresh Marketing is still very much going to go. We've got two employees um, who remain with that. Both of those employees also got a year's salary, even though they didn't work for Fresh. Yeah. Um, uh, and one of them has just moved house, um, so the timing couldn't be better. Um, and uh, so we are going to keep Fresh Marketing going as long as the brands we work for want us to do that. Um, uh, we obviously have to stay away from breakfast, mm. uh, protein things. Um, uh, but uh, I'm particularly interested. What, what I would really like to get more involved in is the future of food. Um, uh, on Saturday morning, I don't know if I mentioned this um, previously, Fiona, um, 
uh, we were sponsoring a, a um, future of food thing at Winchester College. Um, uh, 20 schools had entered, 12 teams got into the final. Uh, only eight teams made it to the final because they got stuck somewhere or pulled out last minute. Um, we had incredible um, judges from around the food industry, including Adam Leyland from The Grocer. We had um, Rebecca Oliver Mooney from Co-op, who runs the Avery, um, Apery up there. Um, we had Alex from Mental. We had DBT guys. We had Jason Kerr, co-founder of Fuel Tank. Um, uh, and and it was just fantastic to watch these young minds put. And, and so the task at hand was, uh, it is the year 2043. Um, you are a food consultant. What should Fuel 10K launch next and why? I love that. Um, and so in the backdrop of the UN SDGs and the climate uh, changing, sea levels rising, aging populations, Elon Musk and Bezos spending gazillions getting us to the moon, um, what's going to be happening in 20 years' time? We didn't have mobile phones when we started. Um, well, they were pretty antiquated. Um, so I'm so excited about that. And they came up with all sorts of things from, from apps to swabs and personalized food to 3D printed stuff, loads of stuff from vertical farming, um, moving to um, crickets for for um, for protein. Um, and they, they compared all the different kind of proteins and cricket protein was one of the best, most sustainable. Blah, blah, blah. Um, it was brilliant. Um, banana. Banana leaf packaging was another one. Nice. Um, so brilliant. And I, I just think that encouraging the younger people to at least start thinking about these big problems um, is, 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 is our responsibility because they will be running the planet next. And that's a pretty terrifying concept if you've got kids. Um, <laughs> they're going to be calling the shots. Um, so that, that sort of seriously excites me. Um, uh, and the, the other thing I, I'd like to be able to do is, is help in the right sort of context um, to the budding entrepreneurial world that I've been part of. Um, and I know that there are a lot of brands out there that, are, you know, the owners are still sat in their trenches, kind of wondering if they're ever going to make it. Um, and I, I just hope that this, uh, you know, what we've done will give them hope that it is possible because um, uh, it's, but really I think difficult. I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think it's and I think I wrote that in my LinkedIn post. Said when you know I, I heard the news, it's a lovely beacon of of light for everybody to say there's there's light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you can sell to a big company and that will bring you national, but it's not necessarily going to happen, like you said, in three to five years. It if you are building a food business to sell, and if it's a grocery food business mainly sold through retail grocery, you have to think about it for the ten to 12 to 15 years don't you really unless you're very lucky and it's a very you know also sold on d2c right yeah and and you're kind of front end of that trend or whatever it is yeah um but you always got to just imagine if you were buying your brand why why would you buy it what's, what's so good about it um and that's that's the thing and 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 who which buyers would want to buy something like yours um I think Premier Foods was brilliant because they 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 we found out they knew what consumers they didn't have already in their portfolio. Okay. Uh, they knew the category. It was a new category. It was also that we primed everything so much for them to just just 
do what they do best, which is just put rockets under it. One of the things um, I love about your proposition is also that it's a very mass market proposition that appeals to an entire demographic, not just a small niche group of people. So many of the founders that we both talk to or see on a regular basis are still looking at very small groups of people who are interested in their brand or product. Whereas yeah. your brand and products were incredibly focused and had very clear propositions, right? Proposition, but were but the numbers in terms of people who were interested in that proposition was broad enough that you could make it work at a national level and you could make it work. It was it was saleable to a, a big firm like Premier Foods. And I think it, that's really important that founders who are slaving away out there ask themselves that question. Is my proposition appealing a big chunk of the market right i think i think exactly um and and the other bit that founders need to watch out for is is bandwagon jumping um uh, i think a lot of people go out to expo west in the states and look look at that for inspiration which we used no, i still will um look at what's coming out out of that market to the uk um but but if you take things like the cbd market or the fake meat market or even protein i mean when we brought protein to breakfast suddenly protein was everywhere and then it sort of shrunk again everyone sort of jumped on and then was that you back. that started that trend then i'd love to say that <laughs> normalization of protein i'm just we were that. i'm going to cut that clip and say i'm just, yeah. I'm just going to say when we brought protein to breakfast then everyone jumped on the bandwagon um, and it could be your legacy. Yeah, I'm this up and then re-piecing it together so it sounds completely different. <laughs> Look, there's so much more we could say and talk about, but both of us, it's Sunday night, uh, evening, and we've both got family dinners to, to go to. Um, mm -hmm. It's really lovely to have such a human chat about this because, you know, just you know, I can imagine the stress and the worry and the hard work and then leaving and now the void are you going to do besides getting involved with you know younger people in the future food are you going to do any investing are you going to do any coaching or mentoring i mean have you thought about any of that i like the coaching and mentoring bit the the investing thing i think you just got to be so careful with that um i think that yeah i, I just i don't want to rush into anything yeah. um probably just, say just... no because otherwise if you say yes everyone's just going to linkedin yeah <laughs> not for now <laughs> um we're off to japan in a couple of weeks for two weeks of proper foodie touring wow. um and um uh, you know i might just see something there that that needs to come back to the uk um have you so seen that... that film on netflix called um what's his name love sushi no oh god is that a Okay, you have to watch this before you go to Japan. Here, no, hold on. So I, I, I'm going to just Google this as we're talking. Sushi film. Um, Jiro Dreams of Sushi, right? J-I-R. Yeah, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Watch that film, okay? Because after you watch that film, you're going to want to go to the restaurant. The sun has taken it over. It got 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Yeah. Right, that's on night. That's on movie night. It's just night. a stunning film. A stunning film. It's it's a documentary, um, but it's amazing. But if I was going to Japan, that's the first place I'd want to go. 
Yeah, amazing. Okay, we'll look it up. Uh, so Japan, and then the last thing I wanted, just to close the circle, when we started our conversation in 2020, well, when we recorded our episode in 2020, the one of the first things I asked you about was your extreme running. And you mm. at that point that of all the four seasons still left to do in terms of extreme running, you still had to do an ice challenge. Did you do it? And are you, or if you haven't done it, are you going to do it? I haven't done it yet. Um, uh, God, and that's on recording, is that's it? That's on recording, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I may do it, but but perhaps less aggressively as, as the, the previous um, seasons. Um, uh, I just, I really want to to get up and just go go visit the Arctic Circle, and, and that was the excuse really to go and do it um, by foot. Um, and so it is on the list. I'm just not sure at what point I'm going to yeah. be able to get it done. It's just time to enjoy life for a little while anyway, until you decide what you're going to do with everything. Yeah. Barney, I'm exactly. so happy, you know, I mean, like, what have we known each other 25 years? It is so nice to see someone who is just so lovely and normal. Hmm. <laughs> um, what about it? come out on top I know but you know like you're just you've just you've just I, I don't want to swear because apparently algorithms are picking up all the sweary um the sweary podcasts now but you know you've just done it you know and you've you've really made it and you've made it happen and you've done it in a really nice way and you've been nice to people and you've also driven success for so many businesses internationally with fresh marketing so I'm just genuinely really happy for you okay that's kind, Fiona. Very kind, and and equally, I think it's so nice to be able to spread this message through your your podcast. I think it, it's becoming really important. There's, and you've found a a gap and a void. I think there, um, there are a lot of lonely founders out there that probably just you know they may never even comment on this, but they they may listen. Um, and I would I would just remind them that you know it's a great old journey, but it's it's it ain't easy. You got to stick with it, particularly if you really believe in what you're doing. Well, thank you so much, Bernie, and I will see you hopefully really soon. Um, yeah. yeah, have a great time in Japan, and I can't wait to hear all about it. Ace, stay in touch, V. We'll be in touch. Thanks to the team at Strong Roots for their continued support this season. Good for you, good for the planet, good made easy. <laughs> <laughs>